Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, a legacy member of the Jittery Monkey Podcast family, and of course proudly affiliated with the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko, and usually I would say the other two legs of the tripod, to my right, Hoss Reuter, to my left, John Dam Johnston, but they are not here. Hoss is having technical difficulties and probably needs a new laptop and John is pulling his hair out and I think pulling servers apart. He's he's working, uh, burning the, the uh, candle at both ends. So we were planning on having him as a guest anyway, but it uh, looks like he's going to be the co-host this week from CornNation.com, Mr. Paul Dalen. Paul, welcome back to the show, sir. It's been a while. Thank you, Greg. How, how's everything going? Uh, good. Good. Um, uh, living large in southern Texas. Um which is rough in August, but is really nice in January and February. So y'all come on down. Where the deer nice. and the antelope play, right? Um, yeah, actually, it's where the cow or the coyotes dodge uh, uh, tumbleweeds and armadillos. Oh, here, here's one. Do you know why the armadillo crossed the road? Uh, it's making its way north. I don't know. No, nothing specific. Nah, to prove it could be done. And if you've ever been to <laughs> Texas, you would understand what that joke means. Uh, the no, rest I, of I you, um, you'll just have to Google it, I guess. So here, here is my concern that armadillos could swim because I've seen them, uh, you know, like you on the side of the road, uh, oftentimes, and they're always dead. But I, I've seen them in <laughs> into Missouri, and then I'm pretty sure that I saw one in Illinois. And now I'm afraid that they're just going to take over. We have a serious, it's, people don't know, but everybody wants to talk about the fire in the Amazon, but we have a serious armadillo problem. I'm equating the two. That's what we do here. We make really <laughs> grandiose, horrible comparisons, but the armadillo. Um, to me, it seems like a, it seems like a stretch to say I saw an armadillo in, in Missouri and, and no, 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 no. And, I, I saw. And, and to equate that with, I don't know, like the lungs of the planet are burning down. Um, let me, let me, let me, stretch, let me make. Let me go with that. Let, let me clarify. I, I saw a lot of them in Missouri, but I've seen one in Illinois where I live, and I'm like, oh crap! They're either figuring out how bridges work or they've learned to swim. Either way, they're continuing their trek north, and we all need to be on the lookout for armadillos. Well. I, I don't know. I, I, I think they just roll up and probably just float, like, like you know, like gray, lumpy beach balls. Um, gray. <laughs> I don't know. And there, you know what? If it wasn't game week, that would be the title of this episode: "Gray Lumpy Beach Balls." And people would be very confused, and they'd listen. But uh, <laughs> gray lumpy beach balls, it is. It's uh, unfortunately. Well, I don't say unfortunately. But uh, to the benefit of many, we have a football game this week that we will talk about later. But uh, anyway, uh, any any more thoughts on this armadillo situation? I mean, the, why are you chasing them out of Texas? Uh, I'm not chasing them out of Texas. I actually think they're kind of cute. I ride my uh, 
I ride my bike in the morning before it gets too crazy hot, and I see them all the time walking along the bike trail. And and really, they they're kind of cool animals. I mean, they're some of them are pretty good size, and honestly, they just don't give a shit about anything. I can ride right up to them, shine my light on them, and they're like, "Dude, what are you doing? Go away, run along, little boy." So, um, I I kind of I kind of respect them. Um, is there? I, I think they're kind of dumb because they keep walking in front of cars, but. To, I don't know. I'm going to give the armadillo the props. I, I got nothing against armadillos. Now, to their credit, they were probably there before the streets, right? They were probably here long before the streets. I mean, I mean, do do armadillos predate the highway system? I'm pretty sure armadillos predate mammals, but um, uh, I don't know. They probably owe their genesis back to something in, I don't know, uh, an asteroid you know, smacking uh, into the Gulf of Mexico 68 is, million years ago. Is, I, it, is it possible? <laughs> Armadillos are an evolutionary throwback. So, yeah, they've been around a while. Let, let me let me throw this one out there for you, and then we probably need to move on from armadillos before everybody stops listening. Is it possible that the armadillo is really the cross? My son is very excited by this conversation with the Hot Wheels. Uh, is it possible that the armadillo is a cross between a medieval knight in his suit of shining armor and a raccoon? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I'm, I'm uh, done. Sure, why not? I'm done. Um, yeah, that's good. Okay, and if you so, want to know more about medieval knights, you can look up my book on on Amazon. Can I make a plug for my own book in on medieval history? You should. <laughs> nah, no, we'll, we'll I'm, I'm serious. That at a different I, time. I'm serious. I mean, we're we're not going to be talk. We're, we're going to be talking about one of the other newer teams to the Big Ten in the Maryland Terrapins. Don't get us started on the Turtles. Uh, but uh, uh, the, it, it, hey, if we were previewing uh, the Scarlet Knights or Rutgers, it, it would be much more easy. But since we've already said medieval knights, I would love to hear about your book, Paul. Um. Well, uh, I, I don't know. Six years ago, I undertook a project to take a, a about five thousand page um, out of print series that I I absolutely love that was published between nineteen oh eight and nineteen twenty three eight volumes and um, transcribe them and sell them on the on the Kindle store. And it was right at the time that the Kindle was growing a lot, and I made a crap ton of money on it. So, and it's still available. Um, I think I make about $50 a month or something, people that want to buy it. so Would you um, say I, it is the I, I am an amateur medievalist. That's why I started this project, but I was not the original author of it. I'm actually just the editor of it, so... Would it be the Cambridge Modern History Volumes 1 through 5 or the Cambridge the, Medieval? It, it, it would be that, but that one isn't nearly as good. Um, the, it's the Cambridge Medieval History by J.B. Barry. We that, will uh, link that. It's actually, my, it's actually my absolute favorite. So We're going to link that and have that available in the post so that uh, anybody who – because – okay, this is a serious question. Okay. First of all, it's only four ninety nine, so I encourage anybody uh, to to buy it because, first of all, you're you're getting some history, which is a lot better than a lot of the crap you're probably reading out there. Uh, secondly, uh, 
Paul's one of us. He's a Husker fan. Overlooked the uh, fact that he's from Iowa. Uh, but you'd be supporting Paul, and uh, you'd be learning. But I have to know, volumes one through five, roughly how many pages, even in the Kindle version, is that like 1,200 pages? Oh no, about five thousand, give or take. Um, looking, I've got the I've got the print versions sitting on my, or in my in my bookcase in my office here, and it's you use it as a right doorstop, don't you? Thirty inches, maybe twenty four inches. Oh so, my god! Yeah, it's a good five thousand pages. So, so think of yeah, the value. Light reading, but at, during halftime, if if you wanted, if you really want to do that, get into medieval nights think, and yeah. early medieval nights and late medieval nights and. Ladies and gentlemen, you're never going to find a value like this. For just $4.99, you're getting roughly 5,000 pages of content. That is, on average, give or take, about $1 per thousand pages. Where else are you going to find a deal like that? Check out on Amazon the Cambridge Medieval History Volumes 1 through 5 uh, by J.B. Burry and edited by our very own Paul Dalen. Okay, so we we can talk about knights, or we can move on to the uh, the um, gray lumpy turtles if you if you want to do that. Yeah, let's move on to the lumpy turtles, uh, the the terrapins of Maryland. Uh, we of course we're in game week, but we do have uh, you know listeners who are like, come on, South Alabama, today away. Uh, but we we've got to finish. We have unfinished business. I'm I'm something of a finalist, or uh, I don't know if that's even the right word. I'm not a finalist for anything, um, but uh, uh, I did stay at Holiday Inn last night. No, um, but we've got to finish this task, and that is getting through the the season with all the previews. Maryland, November 23rd. Uh, it's my wife's birthday, and I also know that I already have to work that day, um, so that's cool. Um, but the Maryland Terrapins, and they are uh, – they're in a world of hurt because they have a new coach and their best player is out for the season with an injury. Tough break for them. Um, but Maryland could uh, could turn things around in the near future, Paul. Well, well they could. Um, I don't know if I would put any money on that happening, but yeah. Do it. It could happen. <laughs> um, I, in fact, I hear it's legal in you cross the border into Council Tucky. Um, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's sports betting. I, I, they tell me sports betting is now um, legal on Iowa riverboats. I would not recommend putting any money on on Alabama having a resurgent season. Well, we're talking um, about Maryland, so I think Alabama's. You could. Probably- did I say Alabama? Sorry, Loxley <laughs> came from Alabama. Um, <laughs> No, no, that's great because I really want people to think that <laughs> Alabama's gonna gonna circle the drain. Yes, um, because perhaps our loyal listeners would remember um, a coach, um, Riley. Um, they came here, and he was an he was he was a, he was an altogether decent person, decent human being, but he had like a fifty fifty career win record, and and. Miraculously, he finished exactly 50-50 in his time at at Nebraska. Well, the uh, Mike Loxley coming back to Maryland, his only experience at as a head coach was at New Mexico, where he went a staggering three and thirty or something like that. Um, 
how that <laughs> how that ever allows you to coach again. I don't know, well, but I'm not sure that that this is the guy that's going to take a Big Ten program in the in the the Big Ten East for crying out loud, which is still one of the strongest uh, divisions in all of college football, and somehow win football games. I just don't see this happening. Here, here's the crazy thing about that. I'm I'm really curious how he. I mean, as you mentioned, he came from Alabama, where he was Nick Saban's offensive coordinator. Before that, he was the offensive coordinator at Maryland from 2012 to 2015. By the way, if people haven't learned by now, all of our information that we're talking about here is straight from coordination and Husker Mike's fantastic uh, game previews. But how do you go from... Wait, 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 wait a minute, Greg. What? You mean you don't spend hours every day reading about turtle football? So here's the thing. Last week I was off uh, a few days at the front of the week and actually put together some really quality show notes and had some audio and things like that to uh, enhance the overall sound. But this week I, w I was working, so they get what they get this week. Um, it, it just is what it is. But uh, no, I don't have to. Yeah, it, it is. And, and I thought I was just coming on for comic relief. So now I'm great. expected to, to have intelligent comments and i'm really i'm really struggling here <laughs> hey i'll tell you what we're even when you know the 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 we're fully staffed in hoss and john we still struggle for intelligent comments don't worry about that you're fitting right in okay well that's good thanks for <laughs> but, the uh I, I i appreciate the uh the uh the the boost there in confidence it, it's, definitely it's, off the chart, so. it, it's not so much, you know, a, a boost of confidence as at least to say, hey, you're no worse than any than, than the rest of us. You're, you're one of us, one of us, one of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. But, no, but but my, my bigger question is how do you go from being the offensive coordinator at Maryland in, you know, the early 20-teens to, let's see, he was named head coach for the second half of the 2015 season, or interim head coach, uh, but then you you spend a couple of years at Alabama as Saban's offensive coordinator. Like how do you make that jump? What what on his resume or or you know, who did he blackmail to get that offensive coordinator job at Alabama? And obviously you look at the success that Alabama's had, you know, the the last couple of years and granted losing to Clemson in the national championship, hey, that's you know, more success than Nebraska's had in, in twenty plus years. But there has to be something in him schematically. You know, he, he has to have a good mind for the game, and maybe just the other pieces are missing. I, I don't know. Uh, a, a career record of 3-31 and 31 at, at New Mexico, I don't know how you parlay that into another head coaching job, but here we are, and he's... Well... It's, it's a... Who well, it, it, I was just going to say... I, I'm guessing... I'm sorry, I was, I was talking over you there. We do it a lot uh, on the show. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that people are discounting the fact that, are discounting that record of a staggering, you know, point one zero zero, of uh, because it was at New Mexico. Did you just which, do that math in your head? Well, yeah. Why, dude? It's three, three over thirty. <laughs> Hold on. Let me get my calculator that's, out. That's one tenth. It's point one zero zero. Oh, okay. See, I, I, I thought you, I, I must have missed her. I thought you said something. I thought you got overly specific. No, you're right. Yeah, one tenth. Three over thirty. Continue. Actually, it's not three over thirty. It's it's three over thirty three. But 
Um, do my, not, the, do the not come onto the Five Heart Podcast and nitpick. <laughs> You're correct. It's not very good, but <laughs> it's at it's at New Mexico. And l- let's admit, I mean, if you go to New Mexico. Uh, you're kind of you're just sort of you know hanging out trying to wait for i don't i don't know something something to fall off the uh, front page of google i guess um you, if you go to new mexico then you're really hoping that that idaho vandals job opens up soon <laughs> it could be or um like northwest um a&m tech or something like that um but i'll say this about new mexico they they have scheduled a tough non-con game week Two, well, I think technically it's week three after a second week bye. They're going to make the trip to South Bend to face a top ten Notre Dame team. So you never know what could happen with the the, the Lobos of New Mexico. Why, no, you don't. Why um, we're still you talking can feel about? Feel fairly them, confident that they're going to get get destroyed um, when they go to South Bend. But um, you're right. You don't know. That's why we play the game. I understand that somehow, somehow Loxley won three games there. So it has to happen eventually, right? Um, <laughs> uh, well, it has to happen an average of about once per season, I, sure. I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, it's reasonable, right? Eventually, they're going to play, you know, the, the fighting mosquitoes um, from northwest Louisiana Tech or somewhere like that. So <laughs> the it, fighting mosquitoes. It can happen. Right. Uh, but the, the biggest news really out of uh, Maryland was that sophomore uh, receiver Jashawn Jones tore his ACL first week of practice and is done. Um, yes. So, I mean, you've got a little bit of returning talent in DJ Turner uh, and uh, Dante Demas. And again, I, I don't know anything about these players. I don't even think we, we don't, I don't think we played Maryland last year. So none of this sounds familiar to me. Um, so there, anyway, there, that's going to be a win. Let's just let's move on to Iowa and say that we're going to beat Maryland because it's the end of November and we're going to be firing on all, all cylinders, and uh, we're not going to look past them to Iowa, but we're going to take care of business against Maryland. Fair to say, Paul? I think so. I need to close I, out of that window. I, Maryland is schizophrenic when it comes to both sides of the football, um, but they're fundamentally a bad team. Um, and and they are going to be a worse team this year than they were last year. So I I think I think if anything is certain at all about this year's Huskers, I would chalk up the uh, uh, that as a win. Now I'm much less confident about the Iowa game than I am about Maryland. Now you say that, and and here's the thing: if Haas were here. Uh, he'd be like, well, he said to me privately, and I'm sure he'll say it at the time. You know, when we get him on, he's like, "Can't wait, we're gonna we're gonna hang a fifty burger, half a hundy on Iowa," and uh, you know, it's a he's gonna beat him up, take the lunch money, and extort a a, a two four of whatever that is that he drinks. Is it Coors Banquet? Coors is that, Banquet is, is, is that his? Uh, <laughs> that's, is that his favorite? Brew? That's his poison of choice. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh, it, it, full disclosure, I make this. I, I attended the University of Iowa um, and uh, as a graduate student. So um, the the swell of choice there was Dubuque Star, mm. which was about 30 cents a can, if I remember right. It was what you used for quarters after you were already drunk um, because you couldn't drink it on the way to getting drunk. You had to be good and, good and drunk before you uh, had any more of it. So Dubuque Star – 
if you're ever in Iowa City and you want to get sick, I recommend Dubuque Star Beer. I don't think you can get it for that price though anymore, can you? I don't know. It, may, it might be 45 now. I mean, this is this is some high quality brew. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I bet it's just a dollar. Maybe 75 cents a can now. I was in school a long, long time ago. So, should we talk about Iowa? Please. Uh, they're going to have their first uh, three-year starting quarterback since you know in in a decade since uh, 2008 yes. to 2010. Nate Stanley coming back. He's a 59% uh, or, or let's look at it, I guess last year. He's a 59% uh, passer, 2,800 yards, 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. But he lost a couple of big, uh, uh, big targets in in the tight end game, uh, so that helps Nebraska quite a bit. Uh, obviously, no Noah Fant anymore, and uh, the other one is also gone. Oh, uh, oh uh, Hawkinson. Yeah, Hawkinson. Yeah, T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, it, it was here. Just name wasn't highlighted uh, again. Coordination.com. Do what I did. Search for Iowa 2019 football preview. You're good to go. Thanks, Husker Mike. Um, but uh, no, nope. go ahead. Nobody asked. Nobody asked me. N- Nate Stanley's not going to be on anyone's um, Heisman or preseason Heisman list. Um, but he has. He he has a. He's a. He's a very very. What's the right word I'm looking for here? He's a dependable uh, quarterback. Doesn't make mistakes. Um, he's he's an accurate an accurate passer. Um, the 26 to 10 touchdown to interception ratio is probably you know among the top 25 um, in the country uh, for you know quarterbacks that had more than say. Um, a uh, hundred passes. <laughs> he's just he's all and and in a in a year where there just is not a superstar quarterback in the Big Ten, and I realize that there are a couple of names that um the Husker fans would like to submit for that. Um, there is he's just he's he's the sole guy out there that's accomplished the most in the um uh. Accomplished the most um, on the field. Um, that's that's a- active this year. Uh, fields at Ohio State and obviously M- Martinez. Martinez put up some amazing numbers, but we still finished four and eight. So you have to consider you have to consider that. Um, I think that the it seems like they don't require a lot from Nate Stanley. You know, I mean, look at look at their game plan last year. Uh, you know, it's it was a lot about ball control, you know, and it was, uh, you know, their their running back uh, sergeant had 179 yards against Nebraska uh, in on that Black Friday, um, but it, it's you know they don't ask a whole lot of Nate Stanley, and and he does what he's asked to do, you know, it's maintain the possession, keep the ball, run the clock, and limit the opposition's opportunities yeah um uh iowa is well for all of for as much as we love to make fun of them um iowa has has produced offensive and defensive lines that have been superior to nebraska's for about 
well, certainly offensive lines for the last decade and off and defensive lines for say the last five years, certainly. Um, and, and which allows players which are good, maybe not great, um, but good players to flourish behind and, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, I was not a spectacular team. They're not going to, I mean, I was probably an eight win team again this year. Um, cause they're always an eight win team. I, I think, I think this talk about Iowa winning the, the division is kind of silly. I, I, I don't see that happening in it in any way. Looking at their schedule, it's pretty tough. Um, but having a, an experienced senior quarterback accounts for a lot. So I, I don't know if we should write them off. Because of that, either they uh-huh. on the defensive side of the ball, they only have four returning starters, um, and you have a junior in AJ Ipanisa who didn't even start uh, last year, didn't start a single game, but still was all Big Ten, ten and a half sacks, and eight quarterback hurries, and quote unquote NFL draft experts are expecting uh, those numbers to jump as he becomes a full time contributor, and he could be. You know, a top 10 draft pick next spring. Mel Kiper Jr. suggests top five, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that that's one, you know, factor that, that Nebraska has to deal with. You know, assuming by the end of November everybody's still healthy, and obviously we don't technically wish uh, ill will on anyone, you know, and, and no. no injuries and or anything like that. Um, but, you know, so that that's, that's a big force on the defensive side, but otherwise I think they're going to be a little bit more inexperienced on defense, and hopefully by the time November 30th, uh, or excuse me, November 29th rolls around, uh, Nebraska will be able to, uh, you know, be firing on all cylinders and, and pick the defense apart, but then the time you say that, it's the last game of the season and their defense won't be as green, so it's a double-edged sword. Well, it, it is, but if, especially since that's what we do when we do preseason uh preseason previews um we extrapolate what we what we expect will happen next week to uh to thanksgiving weekend um but i think i think you're absolutely right um their off iowa's offense is going to be solid their their offensive line um is as usual um very good um again stanley is 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 the most experienced quarterback in the big 10 right now and they have a stable of serviceable junior running backs so they're going to be fine um, on offense, but their defense is not what it has been for the last several years. And, and I really believe Nebraska's offense is 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 potentially national championship caliber this year, um, or moving in that direction anyway. And I and I think that that's the key matchup. And I think that Nebraska wins fairly handily um, against Iowa this year. And it's the first time in probably six years. I think I've said that. So yeah, um, I would pick Iowa to, or excuse me, I pick Nebraska to beat Iowa uh, probably by thirteen. Um, but we shall see. A lot can happen between now and twelve games from from now. That's right, and fourteen short weeks. But you don't have to wait fourteen weeks before we get talking about this week's competitor, opposition, Woo-hoo! however you want to talk about it, South Alabama. We're going to talk with Paul Dalen about that and a few other Husker uh, notes for you here in just a minute when we come back to the Five Heart Podcast. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. Greg Mahochko here with Paul Dalen, who was our scheduled guest 
and now he's just become the co-host because Haas needs a new computer and John needs a less stressful job. Probably, right? I mean, we, we all probably need less stressful jobs, right, Paul? Oh, well, I could use one. Me too. Um, but then I get to decompress by, by doing fun stuff like this. So I feel, I feel very blessed. I would, well, and I'm not going to complain. You are welcome. Um, <laughs> I, I was, uh, um, I was trying to figure out how to parlay this podcasting thing into a full-time job. And then I'm like, man, I'm going to need a lot more listeners for that. And, uh, so I'm, I'm trying, trying something else on, on my other show about, uh, you know, up in the content level, things like that. So who knows? Who knows where it'll lead? Because my body's only going to last so long driving that truck. I can tell you that much. So enough about that. Uh, before we get to South Alabama, that will be the last bit of business that we do this week. Uh, and I do already have some score predictions in from uh, the other two legs of the tripod. We'll get to those here in a little bit. Uh, some Good and bad news, both coming out of uh, Lincoln We're to this week. We're going to start with the unfortunate side, and that is that two Huskers have been suspended indefinitely from all football team activities. Now, while we don't know specifics, and uh, Coach Scott Frost did not elaborate on it, we do know that wide receiver Andre Hunt and tight end Katerian Legrone have been uh, suspended, not just for the game, but uh, from all team activities. Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming that means practices, meetings, everything. Um any thoughts on that, Paul? It's 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 hard to know. It's hard to know. Um, Frost is not giving out any any more specifics than what you just read. Um, having having watched this kind of thing for nigh on thirty five years now, um, it seems like when when something like that comes out that's not associated with with a, arrests are public. Um, or even if they're tried to kept kept quiet, they 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 never stay that way. So it's usually some seems like it's usually some kind of conflict or serious breach of team rules. I know that 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 part of the culture that that Frost has tried to rebuild is kind of capturing that unity council sort of you know team first um, team always mentality that that characterized the 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 mental state of of our championship teams in the 90s which is something frost is trying to bring back so if if i had to if i had to guess it probably has something to do with with some sort of serious breach of trust um with fellow teammates or something like that um but hey you know we uh, everybody's guess is as good as mine so what do you think um i think it's as ridiculous as uh, as ridiculous as it sounds, it's one of those things that is probably, you, you know, he he's not necessarily at liberty to discuss. Um, you know, I think if it were a violation of team rules, he was, you know, they'd come out and say it's a violation of team rules. I, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, I thought he did. I thought that's what they said that it was a violation of team rules. Uh, see, I, or I, maybe did I, I not. Did I imagine that? I mean, anything's possible. I imagine a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Not a game suspension. There's suspension from all team activities. Uh, let's see. That's it. Doesn't say. Um, Note just says the announcement explains why they were not on the depth chart. Uh, they were talked about uh, very highly. 
during spring football, but we're not on the depth chart. So then well, you may be right. Both, in, in which case, I think it's probably completely inappropriate for us to speculate because there could be something serious. Both red, alleged, but yeah. but everyone is entitled to to uh, to to a defense, and I think I'm, well, I'm not going to go around, you know, speculating about about some sort of malicious activity so, on the heart of a player. The, the things that, that we've heard about, I mean, there's there's been no shortage of, you know, like citations for weed and things like that that do get out. Um, and, and Maurice Washington, who we'll mention here briefly, uh, uh, you know, is is a game time decision uh, as far as he, he's been practicing with the, with the team all fall. Uh, and, you know, as of... Thursday morning, uh, Scott Frost said, quote, the ball's not in his court. It's in our court for the university and football program to decide, but he's been doing a great job doing everything we ask him to in fall camp, so he'll be ready if that's the decision that's made. Um, you know, we don't know when. I mean, I guess if he's suited up on Saturday, then we'll know otherwise. But, you know, that that's a serious, you know, potential you know, felony situation in California, but that's not anything that they've, you know, shied away from discussing. So the only thing that I can think of with these two might be, you know, scholastic or academic, depending on, you know, your, your wording, uh, that maybe even the, the decision was taken out of the coaching staff saying, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's 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 hard to know. There are other there are other are other possibilities, but I have no interest in in uh, even mentioning what they are. So, yeah, I it's 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 a loss to the team. Um, it's a big loss, actually. Um, we could not afford to to lose those two young men. Um, but the team one of the one of the hallmarks of the team that Frost is building and the culture of 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 winning is. You know what? They can they can survive this. I mean, Frost came through some pretty serious calamities on a team or uh, on the team himself. So I I suspect that he'll be just fine, um, or the team will be fine. Um, we've got a fairly easy game on Saturday, um, uh, tune up game uh, to work through. So I, I I think we'll be fine. Well, let's talk about some good news involving some uh, young men who have chosen Nebraska. Uh, late last week, I, th- I guess it was probably about the, the day after we published this, so yeah, the 21st, huh? apparently it was before we published this. Anyway, uh, we didn't mention this on last week's show because we recorded earlier in the week, uh, but uh, Nebraska received a pair of running back commitments, the first being Sevion Morrison, a 5'11", 196-pound, three-star running back from Tulsa, Oklahoma, who chose the Huskers over Arkansas, uh, Baylor, Washington, Missouri, and several other FBS teams. Uh, he did get an offer from Wisconsin, and he said he would take the official visit to Madison in the fall. Oklahoma did not offer from Morrison. Um, but uh, uh, let's see. Rushed for 263 yards per game as a junior. And uh, that that's impressive. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, two. it's free. Well, it, it 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 absolutely is. But for for these big, talented, you know, heading for the next level, um, uh, running backs, that's that's 
they're they're essentially playing against they're they're men playing against boys basically um and so i it's not shocking to me to see stats like it's certainly eye-popping um because it's a ridiculous amount of yards but it it high school football is just crazy i mean you can you're depending on the size of the school and and i don't know how big the high school that that morrison went to was but you you can get the ball a lot um and you know and yeah, yeah it, i mean it, it's, I'm, not, I'm not shocked i am impressed though it, it certainly is uh it is certainly um eyebrow raising numbers it's tulsa so it's not you know uh it's not uh you know, one of the smaller communities in, in it's not, it's, Oklahoma. It's, it's not eight-man football. <laughs> no, no, or six. Uh, those poor, those poor people. Uh, so that was one uh, commitment that was picked up uh, last week after we stopped recording. The other one come came to us uh, on the twenty-fourth, and out of Florida, a big power back by the name of Marvin Scott the third, and he picked uh, Nebraska over again from Florida. Looks like he. Florida State, Louisville, Michigan, Alabama were among uh, other teams that were, quote, campaigning for his services. Uh, he was at the Big Red Barbecue in June, and he also took an official visit to Florida State and Georgia Tech. Um, looks like he had a good time in Lincoln. And uh, when, when they when they call it, you know, a power back, what what comes to your mind when you hear that that, that phrase or, or those words? Well, recently it would be like a Zigbo, um, uh, but in my mind, a power back is 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 Amon Green or Lawrence Phillips. You know that sort of six foot two, two fifteen to two twenty, you know, semi truck um, in a football helmet kind of uh, kind of uh, player. Um, I mean, you can if you're if you're two twenty five and five foot nine, um, then you then they call you a fullback, and you get a token two carries per per game. Um, but if you're six foot two and two twenty five, then you get you get you get twenty five carries per game. So, so he's listed at five nine and two o three, a three star three star back out of I, Port Orange. I actually thought he was taller than that, because he doesn't. That's like pork chop size. <laughs> um, hey, wait a minute! I uh, I like pork chops. I, <laughs> um, I did too. Um, Am I, I feel like I, I'm missing but, something. But, Ro- but Ross is in it in say in the last uh, two decades. Corey Ross is the stereotypical bowling ball um, of of that size, the five foot eight, five foot nine back. And now I feel honestly, I feel seriously stupid because I thought he was that he was like six one. So because he looks that way, he um, only played in eight w- games as a junior. Uh, had just over twelve hundred yards and seventeen touchdowns again. Eight games. Um, I mean, not a bad, not a bad uh, output. I mean, he's he's got a little bit of speed, you know, but he's not afraid to go and and uh, and, and you know, not afraid of contact. So, uh, should be interesting. I, I'm I'm all for, you know, adding more depth in the backfield. I mean, you never know. I, yeah, uh, yeah. You can you can't you can never have um, too much, especially if you're tilting towards a running 
based offense, um, that takes a lot of abuse. Um, and if you can spread those carries around a little bit, um, it's never a bad thing. I actually think that, that at least one of those guys, if not both of them, will finish the season as four stars. Um, uh, but we shall see. I, I know I'm not the only um, person to 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 suggest that, but I just I, I just got a good feeling about them. So I think it was nice to finally see a back, a running back being recruited or signing. I know we've recruited <laughs> plenty of them. Um, it just feels like it's been I don't know. This is Frost third season of recruiting and it feels like we're um, our second season and losing track third third year of recruiting it just feels like we've never signed a running back and i know that's not true but it just has felt like Actually, it's been that long i think so, i think uh, the Sevion morrison one was the one that broke the drought has it really been that I, I, long i think since we so signed yeah. a running back yeah <laughs> okay then i'm not that i'm not imagining it um uh yeah it, it, it's good. Um, now, now you know. Now let's go find uh, um, find that six foot two, two hundred twenty five pound back. Um, I, I was going to say, let's go find that six foot five wide receiver that can stretch the field. Um, I think we need both. I think we arguably have that. Well, we don't have the six foot five uh, wide receiver, but we have plenty of receivers that can stretch the field. Um, we don't have. Uh, we are better on. We are. Be, we are more talented at at the receiving core than we are at the running back core right now, and it's just still seems weird to say say those things. But I don't think Frost would. I think Frost would prefer to have um, an Amon Green or a Lawrence Phillips or somebody like that um, in the backfield with him or with uh, with Martinez. Um, in addition to the. Uh, in, in addition to the weapons, uh, the receiving core weapons that we have. So let's go find one. Maybe we need a couple of 10 or 11 win seasons before those guys start, you know, looking beyond Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State um, to the uh, to the plains where you can see all the way to, I don't know, the now, Sandhills. <laughs> now, now, we, we, we have talked about uh, uh, the majesty that is the Nebraska landscape before on the show. So we're not going to run down the, the Sandhills and, uh, and uh, Chimney Rock and Lake McConaughey. We're, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to talk some football. We are. And let's are. get to it. South Alabama is in town. And, they uh, are. And with God. their head coach Steve God Campbell, have, may God have mercy on their souls. That's yeah. all I gotta say. <laughs> um, they, they're uh, they did not do well last year. Uh, uh, Phil Steele, and we're we're gonna kind of get you up to speed. But but listeners know that we've talked about uh, uh, South Alabama back when we you know first started previewing teams. So that was a month ago, and that's why we're doing it. The day before the, uh, the season starts, uh, South Alabama is ranked 125th out of the 130 Division One A football teams in Phil Steele's power poll, uh, and uh, he thinks that they're going to finish a, a, a lofty three and nine. So that's well, cool. Uh, uh, that would be consistent. That's um, that's where they were last year. Um, yeah. You know, we mentioned uh, Steve Campbell. In fact, up until last week, I had the Steve Campbell. Google search up on my uh, my de- my computer here because we were going to try to have him on the show. 
And I just never reached out. I'm like, hey, he's probably going to be busy. I mean, let's face it. It's Thursday night before the game. I'm sure he's got more important things to do than who are these jackwads that want to talk to me about football. So uh, good luck to you, Coach Campbell, um, after this Saturday. Um, yeah, I, There's not uh, – uh, not a whole lot to really discuss about them, as far as I can tell. Uh, they're. Well, I'm more interested in the weather, which is you know, not as crazy as it sounds because it's a Nebraska, but two because of what happened last year, and uh, there's a little bit of rain in the forecast for Saturday morning in Lincoln, and uh, uh, we're we're just gonna. I'm not anticipating any any delays, anything like that. I think maybe that's why Bill Moose, you never know. Maybe that's why he had the early game. That way you can have a delay and start at two instead of canceling, you know, a game altogether like he did last year. Um, but I go ahead. Does, does, does Nebraska have any say, or does the team have any say in the, um, in the TV slots that it's assigned? I, I, I don't think they do. I have no idea. I think we could just as easily have ended up with a 7 p.m. slot. Um, uh, And I'm very glad that we didn't because I do not want to go through that again um, (laughs) or through the, you know, the Charlie Foxtrot that was the Akron game last year. So let's, or the non Akron game last year. Um, So no, I'm actually normally fundamentally opposed to. 11 a.m. football games. Um, but until we can, I don't know, maybe get into October and, and, and these kinds of thunderstorms are, are just not that, that common anymore. Maybe we need to be okay with the 11 a.m. games. So like if Akron was at 11 a.m., we probably would have gotten that game in at some point. Absolutely right. The and then we would so, have uh, finished the season uh, with a six and six record, seven and six. We would have won the bowl game. Well, it is interesting to to war game out what would have happened if we had played Akron. Although, <laughs> judging by our performance um, in starting in about game four, so I'm not sure that that the Akron was was a a certain win. I realize Akron is bad, like South Alabama bad, but we were we had some issues last year. And it's hard to know what would have happened if we'd have actually played that game. And I think that losing to Akron, um, which, by the way, was the first game of the 1997 season, which is which is a, a good year for Frost. Um, losing, starting out by losing to Akron, I think would have been um, – it would have been really bad. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go down that road. If if they started early, if they if they got that game in against Akron, they would have won. And since they would have had that first game under their belt, they would have beat Colorado, and then they would have beat Troy. So then you're three and zero going to the big house. Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't sh- I don't share your confidence that we would have so certainly have won. Because beat Akron. Well, I mean, it's likely, but it, I, I, I think I think the atmosphere was so electric. No pun intended with the lightning uh, that that they <laughs> yeah. that they roll over Akron Scott Frost first game you know back at Memorial Stadium and with, the, with that confidence they go in Colorado uh, doesn't the defense the front seven dominated 
the line, you know, like seven sacks or something like that in that game against Colorado. And Nebraska was on pace to come back and win that until Adrian Martinez got injured. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think that one that game is not close enough that uh, uh, the Colorado player cheap shots uh, and, and twists the knee on on Martinez. So there's win number two, and then Troy is Troy, and, and you win that one because you only lost it by five anyway. You go to the big house, and I get it; it's the big house. It was at you know towards the end of the season anyway. It was the the top defense in the country, and, and they got exposed by Ohio State. But that's a story for another day. So you probably uh, hang an L there. Uh, so you're three and one. Then you have Purdue, and you're probably gonna play them close and probably win that one. Uh, I, I think. I, I mean, there's two, three, three wins that are you know hanging up in, in the win column that that wouldn't be there otherwise. The makeup game, you know, we had Bethune Cookman instead, so that was a win. Yeah, it, Wisconsin being Wisconsin, you can take that one. Uh, you know, either way, we we beat Northwestern. It doesn't go to OT. We beat Minnesota, you know. We might even beat Ohio State if we're because we only lost to them by five. So I'd be all right with that. Then you uh, went over Illinois, and Michigan State, and and, uh, and then you beat Iowa. So yeah, then you're looking if you if you play Akron and you win, you're looking at about two losses last year instead of four and eight season. I'm just saying, <laughs> three losses. I forgot about Wisconsin. You know, you know, you can only get that kind. of of high quality analysis here <laughs> on the Five Heart Podcast. That's and, right. And Corn Nation. That kind of homerism. I, I hope I hope our listeners truly understand the insights that they can only get here. <laughs> I mean, not that they're not all thinking and be like, he's right. By God, if we would have played Akron, anything could have happened. That'd have been a completely different season. Yeah. Um so as we as we get to the end here, because uh, you know I still got to produce this and go to bed at a decent time. Uh, South Alabama, we, we, I'm gonna. I do have some scores, as I mentioned, some predictions from uh, Haas and John. John and, and both of them are comparable. John says 62 to seven. Haas says 66 to 17. Paul, do you have a, a score prediction? I can't see us scoring that much in the first game, um, primarily because if 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 we're up by forty, um, I think Noah Vedral team is, is done. Um, Noah Vedral is going to do for uh, Nebraska what he did at UCF. Um, maybe, or, or, or the, the second, the second stream quarterback doesn't actually really, moniker doesn't really mean that much. And we go straight to McCaffrey, who I believe, cause this is relevant because we just completed our Iowa, uh, preview. We have a McCaffrey on this team. Correct. Who is just waiting to strike fear <laughs> in the hearts of Hawkeye fans. So I can't wait <laughs> to see that. Maybe three years from now, but Luke McCaffrey is going to drive a stake through the heart of every Hawkeye fan. Uh, God, that, east I, of east of the uh, Missouri. I, I like the so, sound of that. Uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, um, because his – I don't know if anybody remembers this, but um, his brother sort of put on a, a, a all-purpose yards clinic versus Iowa uh, – I think in the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago. So 
Okay, back to South Alabama. Um, I'm going to say 47-17, and we don't cover. Um, obviously, uh, Nebraska 47. Um, I think I think that Frost is much more interested in in getting some experience for the for the rest of the players. This is this is a perfect opportunity kind of game to do that. It is still a first game, so we're it's going to be ugly. We're going to we're going to screw up stuff that should have been easy touchdowns. We're going to we're going to drop, you know, easy sixty yard play action pass touchdowns because we're stupid and it's the first game of the season and that's what happens in the first game of the season. So no, I just don't see us getting to 60. Um, I don't see us getting to 50 uh, for that very reason. I also don't see how we stay under 40. So let's go, let's go 40, 17. Well, I don't hate it, but I like 55, 13, a lot better. Nebraska's has won a lot of games by scoring 55 points. It just seems to be a really common um, common score. So well, I like that too. Where, where did you – not, 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 not enough to Not enough to change my, change my prediction. But, but, uh, but how do you know that? Oh, I don't know. I watch football and I know things. That's what I do. <laughs> That's funny because I, I, I have a shirt that says I drink and I know things. So thank thank you, Tyrion <laughs> well, Lannister. Everybody says, everybody says that. So, um, uh, you know, I, I can only name one. Uh, I can only <laughs> only one game in particular pops off um, or pops into my head of, as being that score. But I know that we've had lots of other times that we've finished at fifty five points. Um, and the one I'm thinking of would be uh, Michigan State versus Satan. Excuse me, Saban. Oh. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, um, that was, I think, the second game of the of the '95 season, immediately preceding a certain infamous incident. Um, I think that was 55-10. So, you know what? Did you guess 55-10 or 55-7? I did 55-13. 13. Okay. As long as it's not 55-10, because I think that's an unlucky score. So let's go 55-13. Or you go with that. I think you're crazy. I don't think we're going to score that much. So what happens if what happens if we're both wrong and they score seventy points? Well, uh, then 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 John will rub it in our noses because that's what he does. So I'm um, yeah. We'll never hear the end of it. By the way, oh, he was he was better guesser than we were. You're not wrong. Uh, it's, it's just a guess. <laughs> so uh, you, you're not wrong. It was uh, September 9, nineteen ninety five. In East Lansing, when Nebraska beat Michigan State fifty to ten, and do you know who was the? Uh, ten, I thought it was fifty-five. Oh, huh. I was wrong. But do you know? Uh, do you know who was the quarterback in that game for Nebraska? Yeah, Scott Frost. No, no. Um, in that game, yep. Beringer was right. Yep. Yeah, because um, Tommy started the first game, and then had the blood clots. So, yeah. That was Beringer, and then he had, then he made one more game and and had a deflated lung. Is that what it's called? Deflated? Um, who? who punctured? Uh, uh, Frazier Beringer. or or Beringer? Um, Beringer against Wyoming, and then we had Terman, 
and and the state had a collective and you know sales of xanax went through the roof right <laughs> that that week in in nebraska so good stuff good stuff and i thought it was 55 10 50 10 okay good so i'm still sticking with my 55 13 uh i think that it's possible that uh uh south alabama will try to go for two and get stuffed either that or they'll kick a couple of uh field goals I don't know. I just I feel feeling that fifty five thirteen, and it uh, feels good. So, uh, Paul, want to thank you for stepping in. You had some uh, uh, moderately decent sized shoes to fill, and you you exceeded them. So, thank you so much. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. You remember how we end the show? Um, I do. If I say a little bit and then throw it to you for a little GBR. We'll yeah. be ready to rock it. Perfect. Uh, all right, everybody. We thank you so much for tuning in uh, this week to the Five Heart Podcast. Remember, you can get it on your favorite podcast app. Maybe it's Apple Podcasts or Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or Spotify, or probably others. I don't know. Those are the ones that I know about for sure. Uh, and you can uh, be part of the conversation on social media and uh, Twitter, Facebook. You can even leave us a voicemail. And uh, Haas is usually Johnny on the spot with the vo- voicemail number. I don't have it right now. I apologize. We'll post it. You can check it out later. It's all good. Uh, but leave a voicemail, especially after the game. Let us know your post-game thoughts, and we'll play them uh, on the show next week. So uh, for the, the other members of the Tripod who are not with us, Haas and John Dam Johnston, for the co-host this week, Paul Dalen, my name is Greg Mahachko, and we remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the hearts you need. Paul? Go Big Red. And I get to say it. I'm so excited. Win the damn game. Oh, my God. It's not the offseason anymore. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.